Welcome everyone back to another episode of Setting the Scene. My name is Michael and I'll be your host on the 37th episode. Um, we're actually pretty far into our episodes right now. We're joined by Siri, who's a content writer on our team. And today we'll be discussing one of the topics she's presented in one of her blog posts. Um, this is going to be our first of a new series to do with the blog posts um, that our content writers on the team produce. So I'm very excited to start it off with this one. Before we get started, Siri, do you want to give us a quick introduction? Yeah, so hello again. Um, I'm Siri, and I'm one of the content writers for the pre-med scene, and uh, I'm a pre-PA student right now, and I'm excited to talk about our article that I've written, which is about um, community health actions against like epidemics and pandemics. So. Absolutely. I wanted to start, first start off with just talking about the overall or I guess broadest level of um, <clears throat> of impact towards the pandemic. So that, that would be health systems, um, particularly the administration. They often kind of control the, the, the broad actions done, right? Um, whereas the physicians typically are just more one-on-one -on -one with patients and, and it trickles down from the administration to the physicians with the impacts that we see. But during the past pandemic, over the past two years, it's been a while, how has the administration at these health system levels made moves to mitigate the spread? Mm -hmm. So like um, the first rule that like a lot of administrations have been doing is detecting where cases are coming in. And then after they start detecting cases, it's like, okay, so what can we do to keep that spread from like not spreading? So like if there's a number, if there's like a number of cases in like one region, what can they do to keep those cases in that region and not let it go anywhere? So that's where, like for, let's say the COVID pandemic right now, like at the start, like if there was a group of people having it, like isolating yourself and like wearing masks and social distancing for that group of people and any other people who are around them would also like be doing the same measures so that it's not spread. And that's like the basic thing that like health systems would start doing in small cases of like in small groups of people so that those cases wouldn't get larger and spread that would, so that would become like the pandemic and stuff so we've seen a pretty wide range of responses to the pandemic in terms of the spread in terms of wearing masks and vaccine um hesitancy so i mean some people might be able to divide that up by nation um and, and it does have its own political views that that are thrown in but between different governments, what approaches have been taken? How, how how variable are these approaches in terms of how different governments at the federal level have tackled the pandemic? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so for like, like, let's just say like our current administration or like the CDC for the pandemic at least, like, like some of their goals have been like vaccinating as much of the population and like involving also like other organizations like in different countries. So like some countries might have like their own like health organization that, that they can involve into like um, pandemic like like activity basically. So there's like emergency organizations like the Federal Emergency Management Agency, which like helped at like the beginning of the pandemic in the US at least with setting up testing sites and like large vaccination sites. And like that would like help with hospital capacity because like I remember at the beginning of the pandemic especially there was a lot of people just getting sick and like the hospitals were all like just filled up with people 
because like there just wasn't enough space with so many people getting sick so like organizations like that was like they were really helpful in like at least reducing some of like the number of people that were going to hospitals because I, I don't know if you remember but like there was like so much just overcrowding and everything like just in the U.S. So. yeah yeah I actually remember just sitting on the couch one February evening and um, I heard about it at first and at the time it was you know during the spring semester so spring break was coming up there was definitely a lot more overcrowding than people would have otherwise probably done if they had known or, or were informed a little more. Um, so yeah, that was definitely the case, um, especially during those breaks when people just wanted to ease back into their normal routine of life. I also wanted to ask, because herd immunity was a topic that was brought up a lot of times in the news and, and we were educated about it, even as students, I heard about herd immunity and was curious, was this something that could apply? Did it end up applying at all during the pandemic? Um, because it was something that people brought up and wanted to trust as a means for them to kind of, in as it would be for any other pandemic, um, ease the the spread. Did it end up help, helping at all? I feel like it. I feel like it definitely did help, as like like compared. Okay, like compared to like now and like when the pandemic first started, like you don't hear as like as many people dying and stuff from it compared to like the beginning where there was like no vaccinations and everyone was getting sick and dying but like compared to now because I like some of my friends have gotten sick from um like from COVID and like they've been able to recover pretty well because they've had vaccinations and like the strain of the virus compared to the beginning has been not as severe or at least their bodies have been they have the antibodies now so it's not going to kill them and it's not going to be lethal or yeah I think yeah it's definitely been like more like prevalent now because there's like a lot of the population is vaccinated and the strains are not as severe compared to like like the past like compared to the beginning of the pandemic at least so. mm -hmm. absolutely also moving on to how it's affected our work setting or social setting groups like the pre-med scene kind of evolved outside of the pandemic um, because of the virtual push um, and higher presence of activity over just online uh, over the internet. Um, so I'm sure that was followed suit by by healthcare. We hear about telehealth um, more increasing, increasingly just two years out of the pandemic. I, I hear a lot more about how telehealth has um has integrated itself. I hear a lot more about startups. I personally am interested in in startups and and, and business, um, especially in the healthcare side. I'm going to have an interest for that. So I definitely hear a lot more about startups and telehealth. And was wondering how how much of an impact have they been able to make outside of the pandemic? And is this just me hearing more about it? Um, because you know maybe I just gain an interest out of the pandemic, or is it true that these telehealth companies actually um, had an increased presence because of the pandemic? I think they've definitely had an increase, like, like more people have been hearing about it and more people have been using it. Because I, I don't ever really remember, at least like when I went to like my pediatrician and stuff, there wasn't any like electronic way of like seeing my pediatrician. But now like, you know, to like reduce like anyone getting sick or anything, they have that now. 
And like when I recently went for my like annual checkup, like last, like a couple of months ago, like they were like, hey, like if you're like, like our annual checkup is going to be like online because we are just trying not to like make have too many people into the clinic at once. So I think that like having that like electronic version of healthcare has been like really helpful and like help people who also like it's harder for them to perhaps go to like the clinic in person because I know at least some of my like disabled friends like it's harder for them to like actually go in person to the clinic when sometimes it's not like accessible friendly or anything so I think having that um, electronic kind of version of healthcare has been more prevalent and appearing more and I think it's a good thing too with just it's like a different option because sometimes it's really stressful to like take time out of your day and like drive and like do all that and that, that's like a huge portion of your day and I think having that like online kind of version is like just a good alternative at least so and I hear a lot more about not necessarily telehealth but variations of it too um like for example concierge healthcare um if you're familiar with that um a lot more physicians at least from my perspective maybe it's just because it, it's like the there's the x y and z factor the x factor being like the pandemic the z factor being um you know our question of is telehealth actually increasing and then the um the y factor being um maybe it's just people talking about it more that I actually get to, you know, hear about it. But I definitely feel like physicians are going out of their way to create these, these like self-sustaining companies of their own where they are pursuing telehealth as kind of an individual venture. Um, and there's been variations to it with in-person and, and virtual appointments, a mix of that. Actually, at my own clinic, I work at um, a clinic in the area um, in Texas and the physician, he's um, a pulmonologist. So he definitely had a lot of the front end uh, cases with COVID. He actually did telehealth for some time, but um, did go back to in-person once things eased back. Uh, so, so yeah, there is definitely a mix of how people have gone about it. I wanted to ask also, having already covered the health system and federal level of how these administrations and government personnel tried to tackle the pandemic, what have individual healthcare staff done, whether that be nurses or doctors? Have they adjusted their roles, their daily roles, to better target or, or contribute to the pan pandemics? Has been this been the case in the previous pandemics? Mm -hmm. So, like, like um, for nurses especially, like they've been like doing their regular roles, but they've also been like um specifically like helping like those who have been affected with COVID or like they've been a lot of like I feel like overworking like they already do a lot of like like work as in like just making sure the patients are okay taking their vitals and everything but I feel like with um at least COVID at least like they're they've been nurses and like physician assistants have been being overworked and other healthcare workers have been like just been like working more and like perhaps not getting as much like, time to like not be overworked. So, yeah. In terms of specialty, there's primary care, there's specialty care, pulmonologists fall into that. And there's also um, pre preventative health, public health, 
I mean, sometimes people don't distinguish the line between that, but I believe there's a difference between preventative health and public health. Um, but across all four of those, they will obviously make their contributions. Specifically with primary care and preventative care, how have those two been an integral part to the pandemic and easing the strain on um, specialty care, particularly, and even public health? Yeah, so primary care is like, um, the whole point of that is that it reduces pressure on like any existing health systems. So like um, primary health care for like the, for the COVID pandemic would be like um, people wearing masks and social distancing and sanitizing any surfaces. And like having a lot of primary health care like in that scenario would reduce people getting sick from COVID and ending up going to the hospital and then putting that extra strain on specialists. So like most people that, um, that do or are able to like do primary health care like if they're not getting sick, it'll reduce the number of people going to the hospital. So there's people that are like immunocompromised and like they can't get vaccines. And if they get sick, they're like, it's more important that they go to the hospital than people that are not immunocompromised and they'll be mostly fine if they get sick. But I think in like cases like that, like having primary health care will like reduce the number of people going and also will put people who are like going to be more like long-term affected by like um, by COVID and stuff to like be in the hospital, I guess, basically, so. In terms of us students and, and maybe even medical students, residents, maybe for starting out with medical students and residents, how have they been able to make an impact towards the pandemic? Have they been actually on the front lines um, contributing and in a way that attending actual doctors would be able to? Have they been allowed that access? Mm -hmm. So um, some of the research I've been doing um, like for this article and I was looking into it, a lot of medical schools have let their, um, I think third year and fourth year students especially, like help other physicians so like they, they'll be able to get that experience, but I think they've also been trying to make up for the amount of people that are like, like the doctors and nurses and physical assistants that are already like being overworked, trying to like handle all the people coming in. And I think, I'm not sure if that was for like a majority of med schools, but some of the med schools I've looked into or that the article mentioned, like brought up that and I was like, oh, that's like a really good way to get experience and like have an idea of like the jobs and duties you'll have to do when you're an actual like physician, so. Another question I wanted to go back to um, is comparing to what we have right now with the current pandemic to previous pandemics, for example, smallpox um, in the past, have we seen any better level of preparedness between what we did back then and what we did during this current pandemic? Has there been any change? Have, have people tried to make, um, I guess, further precautions? Um, or has it just been a factor of technology that has only allowed us to be better prepared? I think it's like, I think that we've definitely been better prepared for the COVID pandemic, but there's been a lot of like, like people like not taking vaccines and stuff seriously that have kind of made us go back to smallpox time. 
because I feel like if people were, you know, taking the pandemic seriously when it first started, I don't think it would have gotten this bad in the first place that, that so many people like died from it. So, and technology has helped with that because having the whites, like, like having more, like having people like have more access to vaccines, like that has been a really stark contrast from smallpox to now because I think smallpox, that vaccine, it wasn't like not as many people had access to that compared to the COVID vaccine. So I think technology has been really helpful in like allowing more people to have like access to that vaccine and like get vaccinated and even go to the hospital and stuff. But you definitely still have a long way to go with having more people like realize that vaccines are good and like they're helpful and they're not going to like like there's not really any long-term like like you're not going to get hurt for having a vaccine unless it's like a personal issue of like maybe your body is allergic to one of the components but yeah like for the most part like I think we've definitely been able to improve like in how we've targeted the COVID pandemic compared to the smallpox like pandemic. Yeah, that is an interesting point. Back then we had smallpox, technology was lacking, but now it's more so um, the duality of technology and then choice if people would like to take that um, option for, for their own personal care, uh, which is becoming more and more prevalent. I mean, people exercising and being concerned for their own personal freedoms, um, they take that, that uh, stance with just whatever comes their way. Um, people are being a lot more conscientious of that, of that, whether it be medical care or other decisions. I also wanted to end off on how us as college students could even contribute within a pandemic. So what are a few examples of students who've made significant, whether maybe research or other contributions during the pandemic um, to further our preparedness or to in some way mitigate what would else, what, what would otherwise be um, damage to us as a, as a society? So um, for the article that I was researching, um, some of the research I did, it mentioned that um, like students, like they were able to like contribute to the pandemic, like community-wise through like volunteering and virtual organizations and like setting up like community resources for any people like in their neighborhood. So like, for example, like um, individuals within their communities were able to like help neighbors like by getting groceries or like helping them like get their medication and like these like types of like help were like for people like who were too old or like they're more at a risk basically for like if they got COVID like it would like really like badly affect them so I think like stuff like that has been coming up and for research wise um, I couldn't find anything like for that in my research, but um, for my research internship that I've been doing for the past couple of years, um, like one of the projects that we worked on was like testing like how like people were like affected. Like it's it was like a it's a long term study, so we're still like seeing the results. But how people um who were affected by COVID if they've had any long term like consequences like if that has like been affecting like their like respiratory system or um, cardiovascular system but I think 
um, for research-wise, there has, we need more, I feel like having more pre-med students would be really useful into making more contribution, more contrib contributions, so, yeah. Absolutely. And there's a lot of eager pre-med students out there, or students in general, whether they're pre-PA in some other pre-health field, they're very eager to make those contributions. I think it's just a matter of not necessarily the enthusiasm, which is already there, just the training um, or the know-how as to exactly how to go about it. Um, I also heard, just to add on to what you mentioned, about a few like care package programs where uh, students students who actually founded these initiatives, they'd bring over care packages to pediatric patients and other demographics um, when they were struggling with COVID. And also there were some gift card programs or, or just letter programs, I should say, um, to even healthcare staff. I heard about those. Um, another topic I wanted to mention, and this is on a similar uh, line of thought, is how virtual student groups like the pre-med scene, which I mentioned earlier, have emerged outside of the pandemic. Um, what are a few other examples of these student groups outside of the pre-med scene that might've emerged? Not necessarily for research purposes or otherwise, like we already mentioned, but just generally for their own um, academic enrichment or extracurricular enrichment? Mm -hmm. So um, before the pre-med scene, I was actually working as a, well, working, I was like participating as a content writer for a couple other medical organizations that came just out of um, the pandemic and it being all virtual. And um, I was like a editor for the medical marvels. It's like pretty similar to the pre-med scene where they were like having like, um, like articles written about medical topics. And I think like um, organizations like the pre-med scene and like medical marvels or medical, I think wonders is another one, like having opportunities for like shadowing. Cause I know medical marvels like has like a whole um, shadowing like uh, program. There's also like tutoring and stuff. I'm pretty sure that's come out of um, like a lot of like organizations being online and like you're not able to like see anyone in person. So yeah, those are just a couple of the student groups that, I mean, the, the main one I know is the pre-med scene, like specifically for content writing, but. Absolutely, those do ring a bell. Um, actually, I work with one um, other student organization, not necessarily in the pre-med sphere. They're a mix of high school and uh, college students at the moment. Originally, they were a majority of high school students called STEM Without Boundaries or SWB. They work just like it says in the STEM field, so not necessarily anything specific to healthcare, but I mean, it, it's still within the same category, just a little broader. So that would include things like computer science, which they emphasize a lot, engineering, et cetera. And I'm not sure if they emerged outside of the pandemic, but I believe they started just before the pandemic in 2019 or so. Uh, and once the pandemic hit, they made um, a switch to these virtual um, their whole gist was having virtual presentations for elementary and middle school students to get into the STEM field if they haven't already heard about it. Um, so it was a pretty interesting initiative, and they made this switch to um, virtual, uh, where I actually helped them out with, with guiding people through setting up chapters at certain locations um, so they could work with certain schools and have those virtual events happen where elementary school and middle school students would join in and hear from different speakers 
they would invite speakers at local colleges and professors, et cetera. Um, so some have emerged outside of the pandemic, but some have kind of switched their approach. A lot of switched their approach. Um, I also know about Project Sunshine. Have you heard about that? I feel like that, that sounds really familiar. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I just recently uh, heard about it earlier this year or sometime in the summer, I believe. And they are similarly a group where, um, not necessarily a student group, but actual organization with working staff um, that connects volunteers with patients so that you know they can ease the loneliness that a lot of patients are dealing with. And uh, they made a switch to something called teleplay where they have these virtual sessions over Zoom, um, talking with patients, still the same thing, volunteers connecting with patients, just in a virtual atmosphere. So not necessarily a student group, but also um, a switch. And I think we've been a lot more adaptive to the virtual sphere than we have to addressing the, the spread. Like we've been just better in, in some way or another with um, uh, switching virtual than it has been with kind of addressing the pandemic now that it's been going on. Um, for for two years, I actually had a friend um, who just got sick with COVID for like the third time already. Um, so so yeah, um, wishing the best for him. But but yeah, it's still ongoing. So definitely hoping that um, it will come to a close eventually. We do hear about people saying that it's not necessarily going to ever come to a close. It's going to be like another flu. Hopefully not the case. Yeah. Also, just I mean, as a last thing to wrap up. Have you heard about that in your research in terms of what COVID is projected to be later along the line? Is there more of um, a, I guess, um, an agreeing opinion or majority opinion to it ending sooner or later, or it, us just conforming to it as a normal daily, everyday type of illness? Yeah, I think that's going to depend on the the different strains of like the mutations and stuff because like the COVID what like to what it was in 2020 was it's different to have it as now like the strains and stuff and I think if more people are vaccinated and not getting ill that um I think it'll slowly start dying down but I think I feel like there's still going to be some, it, I feel like it might just end up into the flu. And I've looked into um, some articles and stuff that kind of hinted at that too, but it really depends on like how much the coronavirus decides to like vary. So yeah. That is true. Yeah. I actually just, um, I was on a trip last week and I just, I'm not sure if it was the flu or COVID, but I did catch something. Um, <laughs> left me with a really sore throat and some a lot of fatigue. So um, I'm not sure if that was it, but yeah, the variants are getting definitely different. I, I noticed because I've had it multiple times now, I noticed different symptoms, some distinct, distinctly different symptoms. And I think the gap between when I had it was like a few months or so. So seems to be evolving pretty quickly, which is interesting. But but thank you so much, Siri, for for joining us on the podcast. This was a really great episode. I really enjoyed kind of, even though it, it is a topic that most people have maybe said every day or thought of every day, um, to, you know, hear a little more about the, the parts of it that we might not necessarily consider, like primary care 
and preventative health, how they have collaborated together, or that even for, for, for that even fourth year med students have been able to contribute. Not necessarily something I would have expected because they'd have residency ahead of them, but pretty interesting that they're able to get that experience. Um, that's one of a kind, one of a generation. Hopefully we don't see more of this within our next generation, but, but yeah, thank you so much. And to our audience, thank you for listening to another episode of Setting the Scene. Like I said, this is one of, um, uh, of, of quite a few episodes that we do plan on having for blog articles with content writers like Siri. Um, I expect to see Siri probably in another episode. Um, later along the line, we're going to cover another blog article, and we're also going to see a few other content writers on the team. So if you happen to be interested in those, you can definitely expect it. We're hoping um, and planning to have it on um, a schedule where we'll have one episode every month to do with these blog articles, and you'll see a different content writer each month. Um, but outside of that, each of our episodes is going to be published on a bi-weekly basis on Fridays. So that will cover other topics along the way. Um, but we do really appreciate you for joining in and tuning into another episode. Um, like I said, our episodes are published every other Friday. So be sure to look out for our next podcast episode. We look forward to having you there.